What's going on? It's your boy Kev coming to you back with another episode of the Wednesday Experience Podcast, where we take our listeners on a journey of life, laughter, and wisdom, hoping that something not only said that will encourage you today, but for the rest of your lifetime. As many of you know, this is season two, and this is uh, a season dedicated to all of my fellow higher ed professionals. Um, I call these folks my favorite superheroes, right? Um, they are molding the lives of young people all across the country and some across the world, but making sure that students not only have an equitable experience, but also that it's engaging, exciting, and that when they leave, they know they've been prepared for the rest of their lives. And so this episode is no different. So tonight I have one of my colleagues, one of my fellow directors on uh, who understands the assignments, okay, because We've, we've been in this thing for quite some time, uh, but I am so excited to have tonight. And I'm going to go ahead and put it into existence because he's almost done. I'm going to call him Dr. Ernest Evans, okay? <laughs> um, but I'll let him talk about that once he gets there. But Ernest, welcome to the podcast. How are you, sir? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Making it every day. Listen, that's all you can do, okay? We work, we work at higher ed. We learn how to make waves out of no way, okay? Exactly. I told my mother, I said, I, I feel like Moses some days, okay? You got people complaining, but you still got to make a way for the people, uh, even in the midst of complaints. So if you would, introduce yourself to all of my listeners. And I, of course, I gave your name, right? But all the fun stuff, um, any businesses or creations that you have, and then any Greek or service orgs and your current role. All right. Uh, greetings, everyone. My name is Ernest Evans. Um, I currently serve as the Director of Student Involvement in Greek Life, overseeing the Center for Student Involvement at Franklin College in Franklin, Indiana. Um, I'm a native of Indianapolis, Indiana, so I'm back home. Um, I also have a consulting company that I have started for higher education consulting, um, also through doing student affairs work as well, um, Evans Higher Education Consulting. Got any needs? Let me know. Uh, just getting started. <laughs> okay. Um, doing uh, speaking uh, speaking opportunities, as far as workshops, leadership development uh, for both faculty, staff, and students. Um, can jump into diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Uh, main niche is uh, Black Greek life. Uh, with that being said, I am a proud member of the oldest and the coldest <laughs> days to man the Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, be 13 years in March that I have been a, a member. Um, I am also a fourth year doctoral student. Um, I am at my dissertation writing stage so in crisis. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what that is going to look like for me while also working full-time um, throughout pursuing my degree. I have gone to school full-time and worked full-time. Um, so going to kind of see what this dissertation looks like at this point. Okay. So let's unpack. Let's start from the beginning, right? So you're from Indianapolis. Uh, so shout out to the 317. All right. I have, I have, I've had, I have a lot of good friends from Indianapolis. Um, who are the Broad Ripple and Warren Central? Ooh, Jesus! Arlington, you Ooh, know all you the hood rats. <laughs> so, so I had a whole bunch of friends, you know, that I went to, to college with from Indianapolis. Like that was one of our big drawing cities uh, was Indianapolis, and so a lot of good friends from there. Um, I went to. I had not been to Indianapolis. I went to Indianapolis this past year. 
and I hadn't been to Indianapolis in seven, 16 years. I went to the Black Expo when I was in undergrad to go see Charlie Wilson, my first time ever. And I said, <laughs> at the I said, concert that was outside? Outside of the park. I said, what in the world did I get myself into? But I had so much fun with all my, all my aunties and my uncles, okay, because that's what it was. I was probably <laughs> the youngest person there, but I had a wonderful time, and I have not been back to Indianapolis since. And something, you know, I live in Kentucky now. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to Circle City Classic this year. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, okay. Well, my goal wasn't go, it was not to go to the, I was going, uh, one of my friends is a Zeta, one of my oldest friends in the world is a Zeta. Uh, and she lives in Indianapolis. She said, you ought to come to the Indy, the Greek picnic. And I said, sure, why not? I don't have nothing else to do. And so I rode up and I'm like, great, this is fun. I had a blast. Although the bees were terrible that day. Yeah, I, I was there. I was there too. You, you know what? And I, I, said, I, I said, I'm pretty sure that's him. But you know, I am socially awkward. I don't care nobody. People are like, oh, you know, you're so funny. It's like, I'm going expert. But I'm also socially awkward, right? You'd be like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's like, people are like, you were kind of strange in person. I told y'all that. Like, I, it's a stra- it's the strangest thing. Like, I am, mm-hmm. I mean, super extroverted, but like super awkward. I'm like Issa Rae in a black guy form, right? Like an awkward <laughs> black boy. Like, it's the strangest thing ever. But, Okay, so uh, you just now I, I was watching in one of our group meetings. So you just launched your call, your consultation business. Um, so what gave you the idea? What, what, why did you want to start your own consultation uh, service? Um, I'm trying to get this money. No. Um. <laughs> okay, tell the people. We made wooden nickels in higher education. Let me I know, tell you, right? Okay? They pay us in prayers and thoughts. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> and pizza parties. Okay. <laughs> So um, I think, so prior to being at Franklin College, I was the coordinator for attorney sorority affairs at Howard University. Um, And it was such a rewarding experience to be able to work with Greeks in the, not the beginning of Black Greek life, because we know that's not the case, but where Black Greek life was cultivated, um, developed and grew. It was such a reward. But what I began to realize was just throughout my career in general, I've been working in fraternity and sorority. I've been in the field of student affairs for Jesus. It'll be 10 years, uh, including graduate school, including graduate school, 10 years, eight, not including. Um, The last five have been in fraternity and sorority life. And what I began to notice when looking specifically at fraternity and sorority life, this generation of students, they're missing a lot of foundational skills that a lot of campuses don't know how to give them. Um, So I saw that, but then I also started to look at, uh, now I work more so with our IFC and our Panhellenic Interfraternity Council, our Panhellenic, uh, moving away from the term of our white Greeks, quote unquote, because people of all races and creeds can be in these organizations. Um, But working with them and I'm realizing there's the same deficit in knowledge. Um, And for some reason, you are never the expert in your own backyard. No one ever wants to you when you work at the institution. No one wants to listen to you. Um, So I decided to think more about, you know, what does it look like to go to other places and to talk to students about, you know, their issues and give them, you know, ways to solve them and ways to fix them. And um, I I will say, I think I first got the itch. Um, I present at the Association of Fraternal Leadership and Values Conference, which is a national undergraduate Greek conference every year. Um, And I've done it, I've done it about, 
for the past, I want to say seven years, I've done it. Um, and I say probably around year like three, I began to realize after my presentation, there were lines of students waiting to talk to me about their mm-hmm. specific situation, their specific instance, or wanting clarification on things and, and really liking the presentations. And, you know, I've even had some students say, we want you to bring this to campus. We want you to do these different things. And I've gone to a few places and done it, but I hadn't like launched any real thing. It was just like, you know, I'll come and I'll speak um, and help you and be out. And it was like, you know what? There's money in this one. Um, And being able to go to those different places, but it also helps to cultivate this new generation because I do understand that we must grow and change as generations grow and change and as you know, time grows and changes, but I think there are still like foundational skills that a lot of these newer generations within the institution of higher education are not getting. Um, specifically, one of the things I really want to work on with consulting is um, working with campuses to be able to understand and work for uh, students of color and understand their experiences. You are, you would be amazed at the amount of institutions that don't necessarily understand what the experiences of students of color are. Uh, Absolutely. So being able to get them at the on at the professional level, um, the administration is getting to understand like this is the experience of your students. Um, you know, this is what's going on. Um, but also at the student level, being able to empower them to speak their minds, being able to empower them to say what they want from the institution in a way that they they there's sometimes this irrational fear that like the school's gonna retaliate against them and they're gonna get suspended if they talk about this instance of racism they experienced and it's like no that's not the case like you know you pay to be here right like (laughs) you have to get get what you you want out of the experience so I would say that hodgepodge of things uh kind of led me to begin looking at the idea of launching uh the opportunity then just getting some other speaking engagement opportunities uh really showed me okay Ernest you can do this I was very hesitant because so many people are launching speaking companies and so many people are are consulting and it's like I just kept wondering like well, Ernest what is going to make you different what is going to make you different from that person right. uh, but what I had to realize is it's me that's what makes me different my perspective is very different I am a sociologist by trade my bachelor's degree is in sociology so I attack the work I do from a sociological lens um, and looking at groups of people and their experiences and their understandings and getting uh, adding in this higher education information um, helps to provide a different perspective for how things should go within the institution. Okay. So now I heard you mention about this organization you're a part of. I mean, that's all well and great, <laughs> but we all know the best orgs were formed at Howard University. I'm just going to put that out there for the people. Uh, it was all right. <laughs> Stay cool. Um, you know, I, I love, I, I was talking to one of my students and we were, I had taken them to meet uh, some of my other colleagues and um, uh, my colleagues in Alpha, right? We're just going back and forth, like, you know, some some bands, you know, you know that Greek bands that we can do right between us. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, you know, well, both of you guys are, both of you guys, I'm, and he's a part of a, uh, you know, uh, IFC org, right? And so I was like, okay, that's that's not the same thing. Like, there's, there's a difference here. No jokes, okay? I don't want to. I don't nerd your feelings, but I, I love the the fellowship of um, you know. I, I watched the undergrads too. It's all about a competition. The undergrad, 
And I said, listen, once you get to like the real world, you just glad to see another D9 member at your organization, okay? Mm-hmm. Someone who understands, hopefully understands, um, you you know, the, the, the process and the, I don't want to say the struggle, but the struggle um, and, and just and, and just the importance of being one of these, these, these very treasured organizations, right? Now, while they're not for everybody, um, they, they are something to be treasured. Um, and I call them beacons of light for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just they're just beacons of light. So, so now how did you get to higher education and was it your original career path? No, it was not my original career path. Um, okay. And I don't think it's anybody's. <laughs> okay, okay. It was <laughs> not. Any of us go to college like, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and be, you know, a student affairs professional because we all know what uh-huh. it is until we get there. <laughs> but um, so I will say, I guess, I guess I could I actually kind of double back on that. I think higher education was the goal. Um, I went into college with the idea of getting a doctoral degree in sociology and becoming a professor. That is what I initially went into college with. Um, but um, I'll apologize to her in advance if she hears this podcast. But my my professor, my intro level professor for sociology, um, the class just wasn't great. Um, I didn't, I like, I just felt like I missed a lot. Like I missed a lot of the foundational, through the grace of God, I got the degree. Um, but I feel like, like sociological theories and things that I feel like I was missing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't feel that passion for it anymore. I was blessed to be able to have three mentors that I met when I was 17 years old, um, who were all great brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, but when I met them, one was working on a PhD in sociology at Indiana University. Another one was working on a PhD in higher education and student affairs at Indiana University. And the third was working on a master's in higher education and student affairs at Indiana University. Um, so when I met them, I began to connect with the sociologists and really dumped, d- dived into sociology when I was in high school and like really did a lot of research and really just knew like, hey, this is what I want to do. And I want to focus specifically on the black community. And this is what I, how I want to do it. But I got to college and was like, okay, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I went through this <laughs> kind of crisis the summer after my freshman year of college, because I'm very much a planner when it comes to my life. Um, this PhD has been planned since I was 17. So I, I, I am not someone when it comes to my professional career that has leaves things up to too many chances. I understand the Lord Almighty is in control, um, but I keep a plan and I pray that he makes that plan his plan. And if not, just give me the peace to understand his plan. That's um, so um, what ended up happening was the summer after my freshman year of college, um, I became an orientation leader and I, I really did it for the money because um, they, they was paying us good to be, you know, this 20 year old with no bills. Um, <laughs> so I became an orientation leader. And what I discovered was like, I really loved the work I was doing. I loved like taking the students on tours. I loved helping them pick their classes. I loved talking to them about college and about what it was like and what we were doing and even talking to the parents doing a parent panel, getting the parents to understand my experience, our experiences as, you know, college students. Um, But I didn't know that that was a career. And I remember talking to my academic advisor who became a mentor of mine, who was a fraternity brother of yours, um, talking to him and 
him looking at me and was like, well, Ernest, you know you can do this as a career. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't be in college forever. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he, like, it points to his master's degree from Indiana University in higher education and student affairs. <laughs> and was like, that's what my degree is in. What did you think I was doing? And I was like, I don't know. You're an academic advisor. Like, that's all I know. Um, so when he told me that, I then began to do more research. I went back to my other three mentors. And that's when I found out the one that was the two that were in student affairs, that that's what they were doing. I just knew they was getting a master's or a PhD. I had no clue. Um, so I went ahead and, and really looked more into what the field was. Um, and even at one point thought about changing my major to secondary education and then going into higher education when I was done. Um, but what I did was keep my major as sociology, but focused all of my efforts and my work and my papers on black men within the institution of higher education. Um, and that became a, a thought process for me because as I looked up, I saw so many of the black men that I started school with just disappear. And, you know, when I graduated, there were so few of us that graduated. Uh -huh. And the next year, some of my friends graduated. So, but I, like, I was one of the only, one of my only friends that finished in four years um, to finish school. Some took five, six, seven, some eight, you know, they finished. And that's all that's important. Right. But even in the, the course of doing that, um, I was also very heavily involved in school. Um, I initially was supposed to attend Tennessee State University. Um, finances didn't work out. Unfortunately, I was not blessed with that opportunity. Um, so I attended Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis um, here in my hometown in Indianapolis. And because I couldn't go to the, this wonderful HBCU that I had spent the majority of my life, you know, wanting to go to an HBCU, um, I joined everything with black in the title. Uh, so, <laughs> he said everything. What you doing? Everything, including okay. a fraternity. So I, you know, I I was a second semester freshman when I joined Alpha. I'm the first second semester freshman in my chapter's history. Um, I joined Student African American Brotherhood. I joined Black Student Union and became got on the executive board immediately. I was a sociology major. I joined the National Society of Black Engineers. I joined the oh, National Society indeed. of Black Journalists. Like. <laughs> I joined everything with black in the title. Um, and I eventually later became a student ambassador and just got all these different experiences within higher ed and student affairs that just continued to cultivate my perspective and kind of let me know I was moving in the right direction mm -hmm. to seek a profession within higher ed and student affairs. Okay. So um, how would you define wisdom? Um, I think I would define wisdom as good advice, okay. good advice paired with years of experience, um, paired with authenticity and genuineness, which I think is a word, um, yeah, you know, I think you know, wisdom is made up of all of those things. You know, I make up words in a minute, okay? I'll be like, <laughs> I, I think that's a word. If it's not, it's going to be a word today. Um, so if you could go back, I, I heard you mention, you talk about, you know, you, you had this plan since you were 17. What would you tell your, if you can go back today, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Um, relax. <laughs> I think I would tell myself to relax. Um, I was at 18, I was very hyper-focused on like 
getting into college, getting in, you know, and, and very hyper-focused on like what I wanted in college. And again, like I said, like my life's mission was to attend an HBCU. Um, my oldest sister, she's 12 years older than me, um, went to Central State University in, in Xenia, Wilberforce, Ohio. Um, and I'm nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of grew up there. Like I spent a lot of my breaks there and, um, and I, I later evaluated, you know, as I was in my doctoral studies, like my very first introduction into what higher education was, was black education through or at an HBCU. Um, so I was very hyper-focused. I just remember, you know, being forced, like people had to force me to apply to PWIs. Like I, I literally was not going to apply nowhere in Indiana, nothing. Um, I applied only to HBCUs throughout the country, um, but unfortunately just didn't receive enough money. So um, that was just the, like the laser focus I had on that experience. So I would say, <laughs> I tell my 18 year old self, relax and be open to what life has for you. Again, I, I had my plan. That was it. Like, this is what my life was going to be. I was going to Tennessee State University. I was going to play a job for my sophomore year. Then I was going to run for Mr. TSU. Then I was may, may have ran for student government. You know, I was going to be in a marching band. I was going to, I wanted to be on a track team. Like, I had all these things. Oh, you was ready. You was ready, ready. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I threw the shot put for 12 years of my life. So I wanted to do it in college. Like, I wanted to do these things, but literally it all came tumbling down when I found out in July weeks before I was supposed to be in school I couldn't go to Tennessee State um so I think that just telling that telling that 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 boy the young man to relax and your life one give give it all to God because he's going to make it happen the way it's supposed to happen and have faith in what he has done for you isn't that one of the hardest lessons to learn or to accept, though? Like, okay, this is what I want to do, but I know your plan is much better than mine. Help me just to understand and, and be at peace with that. Like, that's one of my, even as an adult, that's one of my daily struggles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, help me to be at peace if my plan is not your plan. Okay, help yep. me just to, you know, be cool with it and to adapt wherever I'm at. But I find that when you have those experiences where your plans don't work out and his does, it's always better, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get something out of it that you really need or, you know, whether it be character development or, you know, some kind of thorn in your flesh you need to be taken. You know, it's always something that works out for you, right, when you, yeah. when you follow his plan. So, okay, what is, how important is authenticity in the work that you do? I would say um, it's very important. Students can sniff out an inauthentic person in a second quickly like if they do not believe that you are there because you want to be there or that you are there for them to support them and to help they can sniff that out and it will make your job even harder um you know it's very important to make sure that you are bringing your full self like i don't necessarily believe in the aspect like leave leave your troubles at home, leave pieces at home. I don't, don't think that's feasible. I don't think that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you can you can in your mind maybe learn how to section it off for the day. But I think that um, me, I've always been very authentic with my very authentic and honest with my students. Like you know, when I was at Howard and I started my PhD, I would tell them like, look, 
I'm not about to be here all night. I got to study tonight. You need to be studying too tonight. So guess what? We're going to get this meeting done. And then we're going to go to the library and study. <laughs> or, you know, or I always told them, like, I have class this time, that time. Like, you know, here's, here's what's going on. Um, or if I'm not feeling something, like, I'm not really feeling it. Like, and I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a smart idea for you. Um, and what I learned is students respect that so much more. They respect when you are honest with them. They may not mm -hmm. like it in the moment, but they respect it. You know, my boss, she like, she, she's like, you know, you, 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 just, you just say, you, it's kind of harsh. I said, no, it's not harsh. Listen here. I, I want them to understand that when you leave these gates, the real world is going to come, okay? Yeah. It, is not, it is not sugar petals and rose flowers, right? You'll yeah. have some difficult moments. And you have to be prepared. When you have challenging, my old boss, my old boss will call them uh, character building moments, right? Mm -hmm. And so I offer those same things to my students now. Like, you know, if you're wrong, I'm going to tell you that, right? And I expect the same thing from you. If you were, you know, you didn't give what you were supposed you know, you, you thought you should have received, tell me, right? I, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. And I expect the same from you. You know, like, help, help, let's help each other, right? And yeah. People always ask, like, you know, why do you work in higher ed? And for me, first of all, it keeps me young. I, I learn things that I probably should never learn in life. But it's so much fun. Like, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that I found this career. Well, you know, because it, it, it keeps me young, but it also gives me a chance uh, to develop the next, the next set of leaders, right? Exactly. These folks who are going to take the world by storm in just a few short years, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here listening, like, oh, my God, you're really dope. You don't even realize how dope you are. And so, yeah. Um, so, what is one word that guides your life? One word that guides your life. Um, one word that guides my life is faith. I think that's the the first thing. Like, I'll, just always having faith that things will work out. I may not be able to see it. I may not be able to understand it. Um, but things will work out. And what I've learned. Um, is that things just are so much more easier on the back end when you have faith when it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I re I'll never forget being at an institution. Um, I probably shouldn't have been there. Like uh, in, in all retrospect, like that was probably not what my assignment was. Um, <laughs> but I remember that assignment gets you every time. Exactly. I remember turning on a sermon, watching church back at home virtually, and the pastor at the time was talking about sometimes we create our own blessings because mm -hmm. we get we began to get handed the things that we think we want, but these things are not in line with what God wants for us. When he said that, it was it was so because I, I I thought I was where I wanted to be. I thought I was doing what I wanted to do, um, but I was in so much turmoil and it was, it was so much, like, it was so hard. I was, so what I now know is depressed. Like I, I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the knowledge to be able to call it those things in that moment, but I just, I shouldn't have been there. And I just start thinking like, this is the blessing I tried to create for myself because I did not have faith that I was going to end up where I was supposed to be in the time I was supposed to be there. I was, I was trying to lock down a job before I graduated. And that was my biggest thing. Cause after graduation, I ain't had nobody to take care of myself. Like that was it. Okay. <laughs> so that assistantship money would have been gone. And I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this apartment. And da, da, da. so, um, 
I was just so adamant about locking down this job and I probably went somewhere I shouldn't have gone. And I think God sent me several red flags, um, you know, one in the way of an excruciating headache, one in the way of severe turbulence on the plane on the way there. Like there was a lot of things I think God was trying to tell me, you don't need to go. You don't need to be here. You don't need to. And, and what we do, I, go anyway. Uh-huh. I'm going to do, I'm doing the people's work. I'm going to work with these kids. I'm going to the state yes. with you. And it was like, maybe you weren't supposed to be there. And I think that's what clicked for me. And then from then on out, I had to learn like, and I think a lot of times when we talk about faith and we talk about those kind of things, I think a lot of times we don't talk about them in our professional pursuits and our professional journey. We talk about them in our personal life. Uh, which is good. And I think I didn't understand that I needed to apply that same faith I apply in my personal life to the faith that says, like, I will wake up in the morning, I will make it to work, I will make it home un- un- uninjured, unhurt, and so will my family. I needed that same faith in my professional career. Um, and when I began to have that faith, I began to become wiser in the decisions I made and the way I interviewed for jobs and the things I was, I was no longer afraid to say certain things that you know, how I learned and certain red flags that I experienced and, um, and no longer afraid to say no. Like if something was not for me, it wasn't for me and not so much, not being so worried about somebody wanting me. I think that was my biggest thing in my career is like, I want somebody to want me professionally. I want to be good enough that somebody comes after me. Um, and understanding like not everybody that comes after you actually wants you or needs you or deserves you. Uh, and that's personally and professionally. But um, teach the people. Say, say for those on the back, please. Run, not, run that back. Exactly. Run that back. Okay. Not everybody that comes <laughs> after you actually wants you, needs you, or desires you. That's and that's both personally and professionally. Um, or and they may not be the best fit for you. Mm-hmm. So um I was I'm able to give more faith to my my journey in general. Um, because of the experiences I've had and because of the the place I am in my life, you know, I can sit back and wait for the right thing to come to me. Okay. So when I, when I, when I, I crafted these questions, right. And one of my questions said, you know, as we, as we come out of COVID and I've realized we'll be in this parallelogram for a long time um, <laughs> because people, ain't, people are not doing this, what we're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, so in the last, we're coming up almost 24 months of the pandemic, right? Yep. We, we are in our junior year of COVID, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, this is, I, I'm like, okay, now, Lord, okay, hey. Um, but what are the two most important lessons COVID has provided you? Um, the two most important lessons COVID has provided me um, is if they wanted to, they would. And I think that I think when the, when the pandemic first started, like it began to bother me, the lack of people that actually picked up the phone to check on me. Um, you know, I was away from other than my mother and my sisters, you know, my family. I was away from everything I knew in D.C. You know, Grant, I had been there for two years at that point, but it wasn't a pandemic um, <laughs> during those two years. And I think I became so bothered by like the lack of people who actually picked up the phone. And I just was yeah. like, you know, if they wanted to, they would. And if they don't want to, that's okay too. Because that shows you like how you need to move and how you need, who you need to prioritize. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing. I, I began to prioritize those that, those that prioritize me. 
Um, I, I, I knew 2020, I remember starting 2020 and, and my like slogan for 2020 was I have no space for non-reciprocal relationships. If we cannot check on each other, if we cannot be there for each other, if we cannot laugh together, if the only time you contact me is when you need something, or if the only time you contact me is to find out if uh, I'm doing horrible because you want to say that you're doing better, like we have no reason to talk to talk to each other ever again. And I'm fine with that. Um, and I would say the second lesson COVID has taught me, um, it, I guess further reinforced or, or yeah, further reinforced, like just the importance of family. Um, I just became so worried again in being in DC while this was happening. Like my mother is 65 years old. Um, I'm the youngest of three. Um, and I just was so worried about my family um, mm-hmm. and just kept thinking about the fact of like, if my mother catches this disease, this, this virus, like, what am I going to do? How am I, I, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to, to live, like function, you know, um, um, if I lost my mother to this. And I think it led me to come back home. Um, and being home has been so rewarding in a lot of ways because I can, I'm here. If my mother needs something, I'm here. If, you know, I need something, I'm here. Um, And I think it just reinforced to me, like the importance of family and how big of a role my family has played in my life and in my career and in my success. And uh, they are the reason I do what I do. My goal is to be able to send my nieces and nephews to college and pay for it myself. Um, You know, I'm, I'm doing this work. I'm getting this PhD. I'm doing these things for them. Um, so I, I just became, I became more aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what made me seek to come back to Indiana professionally, uh, to be with my family. Now, I ain't going to be here forever. Um, <laughs> well, well, what you said, because, okay. I, I love I, it. I, I moved back to Kentucky to be closer to my family. Cause in Nebraska, I was a smooth 16 hours away. Ooh, I said, well, I, I, right. I said, well, I'll move back, you know, to Kentucky. That's three hours away you know, closer, I can still see my nephews and, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, now, Jesus, no, wait a minute, okay, because it's snow and the way the ice is set up. You know, I'm <laughs> hey, Jesus, like, I live in North Carolina, and I mean, and Florida, and so, you know, it, it snow is a rarity there, especially in Florida, but I'm just like, this snow, the way this snow and ice is set up, like, you know, I'm getting older, okay, like, I can't be just slipping and falling no more, right? Like, True. things don't heal up, and, you, like, 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 and I'm a big boy, things that they don't want it like like they used to right okay you gotta go to therapy and, and, and physical you know physical therapy mm-hmm. but um i mean it, it would not always be like this i'm gonna tell you that um so okay so i'll be watching your snaps right and so uh, one of the things i noticed um is, is your commitment to gym life right you know trying to do better in the gym um but what is your self-care routine if any i know you know, it's higher end professionals. This is a, uh, it can oftentimes be stressful work, right? So what's your self-care routine if you have one? Um, so for me, like going to the gym is one. Um, I started a weight loss journey in 2017. I was doing good. Did the pandemic hit <laughs> and uh, gained the majority of the weight back that I lost. Um, so I'm kind of in this space of trying to relose all of that weight again. You can do uh, it. And, and mainly just doing it for health reasons, because, I mean, 
I, I love myself just fine, but I want to be healthy. Um, like my father passed from congestive heart failure. So it's like, okay, I have to be more, more cognizant of the things that I'm doing. And oh, I'm getting older, as you said, like just have to be more aware. Um, and I would say that TV plays a very big role. Um, I am working on a doctoral degree, but I am not a reader. Uh, that is not like, I'm not going to be the person that told you I read 10 books this year. No, but I watched like 20 shows, like from beginning to end. And that's what I needed. And then like, I just rewatched the entirety of the first half, I guess, of the show, The Game. And that okay. was my self-care for most of Christmas break. And then I started watching the new rendition they have. You know, um, those kind of things helped me. Um, and then also like being with my family. I think I realized that, you know, uh, cause no matter where I've lived and I've lived in Oklahoma, I've lived in uh, Maryland twice. I've lived in Missouri and no matter where I've lived at, like I will get in my car, I will drive the 12, 13, 14 hours to be with my family. Um, I will drop my last on a plane ticket if I'm going to be going to be able to be with my family. Um, I don't know what it is. There is some mystical healing powers in my mother's couch. Okay. <laughs> that just Listen, my mom, I, I will crawl in my mother's bed and be, it's like all pieces in that bed, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, is, I mean, it feels like I sit on that couch and everything stops. All of my issues, all of my drama, all of my worries stop because in that moment, I am just my mother's son. I am not the director of student involvement in Greek life. I am not a PhD student. You know, I am not anything else anybody wants to call me. Um, I am my mother's son in that moment. So, and and also FaceTiming with my sister and my nieces and nephews. That's a big thing for me. I do that about weekly. I talk to my four-year-old, almost five-year-old niece weekly um, and get caught up on her life and everything that's going on in kindergarten. Um, so, so yeah, those are the things that, and one thing I'm, I'm getting back to is um, getting back into journaling uh, and I journal prayers. So I write my prayers down. Uh, so I don't just journal like this is my day, things like that, but I'll journal my prayer for that day or for that night or for that morning and devotionals, getting into either doing my devotional at night before bed or in the morning as soon as I wake up, um, really helping to kind of recenter myself and reground myself as I prepare to get into this dissertation stage where so many things can be so uncertain. One thing that's not going to be is my faith in God. That's it. Well, well, I was going to say something I lost just that fast. Dang, it was good too. That's, that's going to come back to me. Um, let me see. Let me see. What has made you laugh in the last seven days? What has made, I mean, like a hearty, just a hearty belly laugh. What has made you laugh in the last seven days? Um, like, I mean, tears coming down, just absolutely weak. TikTok. <laughs> Another, that, that's a procrastination tool that I need to get. That's a of. rabbit hole, okay? <laughs> I, I got stuck this morning for an hour on TikTok, and I was like 20 minutes late to work. But, um, yeah, like, stuff like that on, like, little funny videos and stuff on TikTok are just hilarious to me. Uh, the things that people put together, let me be very clear, the things that Black creators put together what you uh -huh. said. Uh -huh. to, to, you know, put out into the TikTok sphere. You know, you used to say Twitter sphere when Twitter was the thing. Um, those things crack me up, are very hilarious. I love videos where 
I think Tony Baker, he does um, like the voiceovers of animals and like like their reactions to things. And that is hilarious. Yes, 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 yes. I <laughs> I watched one of his. I was, I was like, "What is it? What are you? What are you talking about, bro?" But it was so fun. I kept playing it over and over again. Um, and I, I found some new people to follow. Like they're just naturally funny. Like mm-hmm. I love being able to find new uh, black content creators. You know. Yep. And it's, it's just. It, it's just dope, you know. It's just it's good to have a, a, a temporary reprieve from all the stresses of the world. Like mm-hmm. I can hop on TikTok and smooth three hours. You'd be like, then what was I doing this whole three hours? <laughs> yep. But 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 it be but it be funny though, okay? Mm-hmm. So um um let me see where I want to go here. Um Okay, so you know I'm a we you know, uh, we are student affairs people, okay? So you know I got icebreaker up my sleeve or a question or some kind of something. <laughs> so Ernest, if I invite you to the potluck next Tuesday, what food would you bring to express your personality and why? Um, what food would I bring to express my personality? Mm-hmm. Now I will first say I don't do potlucks too often because I don't trust everybody's house. Ah! <laughs> like I, too many videos of people with cats on counters and in sinks and and, and you know dogs dogs lick, licking spoons while they cook you know that won't that won't be me um uh, me with the salmonella um and the ringworm so um but i will say i think <laughs> a food that represents my personality um it's always the easy question to stump us, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm trying to think. So I think, I would say, I would say a meal that represents my personality. Okay. And I would say it would be chicken breast, either fried or baked, preferably baked, baked for my weight loss journey, um, macaroni and cheese and green beans. Okay. And I think those three, the green beans will be very well seasoned, by the way. Um, <laughs> a little, tur- little turkey meat, okay. Come on, <laughs> but I think those three things that one that's my favorite meal. Um, I probably make that about three or four times a week. Um, or I used to, I should say that I used to make it before I was trying to lose weight because macaroni and cheese ain't good for you. It's, um, listen, it's so hard though, <laughs> it is very much so. But I think that I would say that because with chicken breast. They can be cooked so many different ways and they can be seasoned so many different ways. But at the end of the day, the chicken breast still going to taste like the chicken breast. Okay. So it's kind of like whatever you do to it, it's still going to always be itself. And I think that that kind of represents me. Um, you know, I've, I've been through many different things. Um, I've had people try to spice me up. I've had people try to dull me down. I've had, but at the end of the day, I'm just me. Like, this is Ernest. You're going to get this awkward, you know, down to earth, blunt, if I know you, introvert, no matter what. Okay. You know, I, I tell people, I said, you know, I, and people, they think I'm joking, right? Because they, they see my social media personality. And I said, that is two different things, right? Mm-hmm. My social media. You know, don't let that go over your over your lace front, right? But like, you know, I I I am really introverted, and like when I come home at night, if I like when I get off work at five oh one, don't call me. 
So I it wake up tomorrow morning. I can't fix nothing at five oh three. Everything's closed. But I come home and I like I, I will sit in the dark. You know, like before we started this pop this interview, I was sitting in my bed like, okay, let me get back up and let me be social and extroverted for about uh, an hour for this interview. <laughs> and I'm going to lay back down, right? But like I, I am so introverted. Um, people like, I've never seen you stroll, and you probably never will. Like, you know, mm-hmm. now I've seen the him where I, I might, you know, do a little chat, but yeah, I, I'm just really introverted. But I've learned that extroversion in my field is key to yeah. success, right? But yeah, we have to, we have to do it. But I have learned, okay, at, at, at 759, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna switch my hat and be extroverted, but at 501, okay, we, we, we flip them back over to that introverted hat, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, where can people find you on social media if they want to or support your businesses or your endeavors? Um, so uh, my professional social media for my consulting company is Evans Higher Ed Consulting on Instagram. Don't have a Facebook or anything for that, just on Instagram right now. Um, they can find me on Facebook at Ernest Cornell Evans. Yes, Cornell is my real, real middle name. Yes, it is where Alpha Phi Fraternity Incorporated was founded. Um, my mother knew <laughs> well in advance what my life would be. Um, come on, mama. <laughs> so, so yeah, you can find me uh, there on Facebook. Um, you can find me on my, my personal Instagram, a black man essay pro, all one word. Um, as well, uh, yeah, okay. So, if you would. Leave my listeners with a parting piece of encouragement or wisdom. Um, don't quit. It is very hard right now. We've been living through this parallelogram for two years. Yeah. Um, we've been going through it. And I know a lot of people around you may make you think life is normal, but it's not. Um, and I think that we don't think about the weight that this pandemic has had on us because we kind of see people a little bit living their life normally um, and just professionally, socially, um, you know, some of us have lost people. Some of us have not seen family members in two years, have not been able to hug family members and and love on them um, in two years. So I I understand that family and or friends, Um, but keep going, keep going. Uh, keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. Um, I tell my students all the time, do what you know is right. Do what you know. I don't care. There wasn't a policy, but you knew that was wrong anyway. So right. do what you know is right. Um, just don't quit. Stay at it. My, for my brothers and sisters in the academic struggle, trust you me. I know. I understand. I have wanted to drop out of this PhD program several times. <laughs> but I know at the end of the day, the reward that's waiting for me. Um, the the way I will feel when I walk in that room and they call me Dr. Ernest Cornell Evans. Um, you know, I know that. So just keep keep your keep the end goal in mind. Keep working, keep grinding. Um, and it'll, your reward is waiting at the end. Let, let me tell you, I, I'm wearing that doctoral robe everywhere, okay? To the pool, I'm wearing it to church, to the airport, everywhere, okay? What's your name, Do- doctor? Yeah, everywhere. I, I told my mom to call me Dr. Sun. Like, I'm not, this is not, 
I don't like right now going from a HBCU to a PWI is very different. Going from Howard, where I was Mr. Evans, I even had students that called me Dr. Evans before they even knew that I was even there in the pro to go to this PWI. We're like, they're calling, oh, hey, Ernest. I'm like, who are you talking to? I had to re recalibrate. Yeah, I had to recalibrate, readjust, but oh, best, best you believe when they confer that degree, you can call me Dr. Ernest. You can call me Dr. E, but it's going to be doctor. No matter okay. what I'm And the people, people can say I'm extra. I don't care. I have gone through blood, sweat, and tears, literally and figuratively, to get this degree. So you're going to call me, just listen, just as well, they're going to call me a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. They're going to call me Dr. Ernest Evans. But you know, I, I tell folks, this is this is this is like legit hazing. Okay, this is hazing. Oh yeah. Um, and it, it, it it's definitely gonna break you down. Okay, mm-hmm. to build you back up. But I mean that breaking down. I mean I've had nights where I just be like, my Jesus. Okay, I can't. I have looked at the screen for six hours. My eyes are crossed. You know everything is blurry now. Like I'm tired. Like you know, and you gotta keep on writing. Yeah. You know, you get revenge, and I'm like. Well, I, I can't revise nothing else for these periods, okay? Like, I'm tired. Yeah. So, okay, with that being said, well, listen, you know, from, from black man to black man, uh, from doctoral student to doctoral student, uh, from a colleague, from director to director, okay, um, I appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you. Um, keep, keep this up. Keep the great work up. I am incredibly proud of you and excited to see uh, where the consultation business takes you over the over this 20 and 22, um, and, and to see how you're favored, how God favors you over this year um, with, with people you, you don't even realize are looking at you and, and, and taking notes of your expertise. So don't be, don't be um, surprised when you get phone calls of folks you ain't never heard of, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I saw you here. Somebody told me, right? Don't be surprised at that, right? Yeah. Um, but thank you for coming on tonight. I definitely appreciate you. Uh, keep up the great work. Um, keep inspiring minds, and yeah, thank you for coming. I definitely appreciate it. And so you'll you'll get all this later on. But y'all, um, if y'all support him, follow him. If you can book him, book him. If you got some money, go ahead and book him. Okay, he ain't coming for free. Okay, you're gonna pay him. So book <laughs> him today, right? We we don't do we don't do favors, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's in the form of like you know money, all right. So <laughs> with that being said, listen, don't forget to govern yourself accordingly. Drink lots of water. Mind your business. Pay attention. Stay in your own lane. Be grateful for absolutely everything. Don't forget to smile. Even if you don't have all your teeth, right? Because somebody's looking forward to it. And whatever you do, please don't forget to put on lotion because you cannot be ashy and be successful. I- <laughs>